0: Good morning, everyone. This is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast, and you're with me, Dan Landrum, Aaron O'Rourke, Stephen Siebert.
1: How are you guys? Missed you guys. Missed I'm, you too. I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: Oh, you? We're we're fine, I think. I'm feeling better in that uh, Dulcimer Players News is off at the printer. Woohoo! That was... Uh, it's later than it should be, but it's a good issue. It's got some great articles in it. Yeah. And yeah, I think. So, w- what's in there this time around? There you go. Well, so Don Don Petty's an interesting player. You know, we've all seen him and we have a lot of respect for him. Uh, Peter Ellardson is maybe one of the best writers who writes for Dulcimer Players News every now and then. He's, an, he's a newspaper guy from way back. And he did an article. That kind of gets into why Don is Don and the way he plays and it's, it's titled Zen and the Art of Mountain Dulcimer. And it's oh, good. that's awesome. Yeah, it's very good. Butch Ross did a really cool article on uh, he noted, Butch noticed that we've had so many articles in DPN on arpeggiating on hammer dulcimer because that's what people do mm-hmm. and not really much or maybe even any, you know, that he remembers that I remember for a while about Doing, using that technique on mountain dulcimer. So he's got an article on that. See, I'm hitting all the mountain dulcimer ones first. Uh, then we have, uh, what's the third big mountain dulcimer? Steve yulberg has got a new book out, Playing Blues on Mountain Dulcimer. So he brought some instruction in out of that. Oh, cool. Which <clears throat> so is really good, showing a basic 12-bar form. <laughs> then on there's some in-between stuff, but then on the kind of hammered and mountain side, uh, do you guys know who Chip Davis is? Manheim really? Steamroller. Oh. Yeah, yeah that was Dale the Powell. first
1: dulcimer I ever heard, I think.
0: Really? So uh, we've got a – we actually have a cut from Manheim Steamroller.
1: Cool. On the, on the
0: uh, CD, on the sampler CD. And Dale Palachek. Remember Dale from uh, Hammer Dulcimer Player up from Everett, one of the squirrels in the squirrel's oh, yeah, nest? yeah,
1: yeah, 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 One of the
0: uh, music police up there. Anyway, I he got, got an interview – got more
1: than one ticket up there.
0: Yeah, me too. He got an interview with Dale and did a – cool story that's really that. cool yeah i could go on i mean there's there's a bunch of stuff cool uh, mark wade's got a, a great article in there about playing swiss uh Hackbratt music on hammer dulcimer and what some of the ornamentation is for that it's just a really good issue and and i'm not done yet but i'll stop because <laughs> that's a lot you ask it's interesting to see you know, because every time I have to, for some reason, go back and look through the years, and I'm generally looking back to reference something. And there's, I don't know, that we're in the 42nd year of having That's a magazine crazy. for oh, our yeah. community. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And you'd think that everything has been covered. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there about, you know, the fretboard hasn't changed all that much, but it's changed some. Yeah and people's approaches and what people try and all that kind of stuff has changed.
1: You know, that's funny. I think about that. The one and a half fret, how common it is for performers to have it and how easily 90% of my classes don't have it. But there is a solid 10% that do have it. And I don't use the one and a half often. Like I don't usually have a dulcimer with it, but, um, I don't know if I see fewer of those people because I don't have one myself or what what the deal is.
2: I've had a few classes where every, every person in there has a one and a half. Yeah, right? I and mean, the more advanced, advanced they class. are,
1: certainly, the more yeah. likely you are to run
0: into that. Yeah. As a beginner myself, it still throws me. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hate the idea of a beginner saying why – why why don't our instruments look alike you know what is this thing i have to ignore you know so early on and didn't you aaron didn't you say you're gonna do some videos with a dulcimer that doesn't have a one and a half yeah
2: i'll get to that in just uh (laughs) just a second um but i did want to mention that when i don petty i think was the first dulcimer performer who i saw live in person and wow. who i took a, a workshop from and he's got the one and a half and the eight and a half yeah well and it, I when i saw
1: him he didn't have the one and a half he just preferred the eight and a half only well when i saw him
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh and I, and I had that question like okay his fretboard definitely looks different from mine but just by using eyes and ears was able to get around it after this point of confusion um, and I jumped on board the one-and-a-half fret pretty quick. I think the problem that a lot of people tend to have when they get the one-and-a-half fret, um, in a room in a workshop full of people that, that has it, you're bound to hear some bluesy notes on accident uh, every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, like a that, lot of,
1: that's breaking a rule or something. Right, a, yeah. A cultural faux pas. Oh, it was an accidental yeah. <laughs> blues note. <laughs> Which is cool, but... In
2: talking to people, I think what I hear most of the time is when they get the one-and-a-half fret, it's as a result of seeing performers who have the one-and-a-half fret, and it just seems like the next step up. Or they run into a really fancy dulcimer with nice wood that sounds really great that just happens to have the one-and-a-half fret. But in both cases, they tend to spend a lot of their time playing everything that they know without the one and a half fret and trying to avoid it which is (laughs) a good thing at first to do anyway i think that's a terrible thing that's like that yeah that's like buying a tool and thinking that you're going to be able to use it by avoiding it like the plague i think that you're more likely to avoid hitting it if you know where it is and your finger has some association and your hands have some associations with it
1: i'm willing to say that i might be wrong (laughs) well i mean the first thing i suggest people do when they get a new fret is why don't you play 20 tunes you know really well and just get used to ignoring that thing because in order to ignore it you certainly have to have your attention on it i mean so what's the benefit of playing everything they already know and not using this new tool that they have Well, it's like the first rule when you're becoming a Jedi, the first rule is how to not use the lightsaber. I know when I'm looking for uh, practical
2: advice (laughs) with playing music, George Lucas is the first person I turn to. Well,
1: certainly some metaphorical application is not something that we want to be avoiding. Um, no, I mean with a chromatic, let's go to the full extreme, if it's got all the frets on it, you know, oh and a half, one and a half, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, six and half, there is no five and a half. But mm-hmm. if it's got all those frets, I tell somebody, Hey, spend spend a little time just playing the stuff you already know because I really think it does give you an awareness of all those new frets. And once have you seen evidence of that? Verifiable peer-reviewed evidence that you can use <laughs> against your friends to you're talking to me, you're talking to me like you talk to Dan now
0: <laughs> because I'm being quiet
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I... so I don't know that's a, that's a learning thing that I do. I think is that when uh, I get I... when I get some when I get an object like i've got um i'm i like cup and balls you know the magic trick where you got three cups and four balls i i got a new one with a magnet in the bottom of one of the cups and so right now it's like and also that one cup is heavier than the other two so it's like let's just run through the old tricks and get used to this new element this and then, after a short time, it's like, all right, now let's start using that new thing. That's just a personal preference possibly I certainly don't have any evidence I don't think
2: I think when I got the one and a half right just speaking for me, the best thing uh, that I did was start to use it well I think you pretty could quickly argue that in the too. first in the first week, uh, I was trying to play everything that I already knew and found it horribly confusing, but by learning arrangements that actually used it, I was a lot less prone to to hitting it on accident. You should have called me up. I could have helped you out with that. Wouldn't it such a hard transition for you. You know, I've already seen Star Wars. I don't know how much help you could have been. I think you make a good Padawan. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> Maybe people who learn with different styles, for instance, somebody who's an extreme visual learner that might throw them off more than someone who learns more by just focusing in on you know how it feels and how it sounds
1: well you know what throws you off with the one and a half at first certain chords like the one two three the one two four Mm -hmm. um where you're typically your second fret space you know in the old days was so wide you had a little more leeway about where your fingertip Mm -hmm. goes and now that that one and a half's in there, you have to be a little more particular.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's also, what messes I mean, me up as a beginner, Steve.
2: Depending on your system of fingering, too, is uh, could help you or hurt you in that case. That that's I think that's true. Yeah, like if you're, um, I know we we all have different approaches. What I what I recommend uh, or what I use pretty regularly is uh pinky to index and thinking of that diatonically in the first octave as about a three fret span in other words pinky on one uh index on three and whatever finger falls most naturally right next to the second fret and for most people that's going to be the middle finger if you add the one and a half fret into that equation then that's going to be your ring finger that falls most naturally it's more like even though you're playing a diatonic instrument it's more like a guitar system of positions
1: right as opposed as opposed to i guess a mandolin form of fingering i'm not yeah, even we, sure honestly
0: i'm calling band name on three fret span um. well
1: here's the thing is aaron does have a different way of of so i've been trying his method for about three years now off and on and I'm getting better at it and I use it um more and more so the if I'm flat picking especially pinkies at one middle finger's at two indexes at three right mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. just to be Dulcimer geeky here's my findings so far I'm enjoying getting better at it my pinky keeps occasionally muting whatever sh- like if my pinky is playing the bass string i have a danger of muting the middle or if i'm pinky's on the middle i might mute the melody and i I'm, i still haven't got used to that but i think i'm getting yeah. better at it i think um, th- I might be totally
2: wrong. I think that's as a direct result of playing a longer scale instrument because when you make that stretch, your pinky has to be a little flatter. Because this new
1: Terry McCafferty that's shorter, I'm better at it on there. Okay. Um, And then the other thing I'm finding is I I want to marry that technique to what I already do, Mm -hmm. not replace it because... If I learn a really cool lick, like often, I'm my ring is at one, middle, two, index, three. Mm-hmm. And so my pinky's on vacation because the, the, the open notes I'm using. So when I learn a lick down there, I love being able to make it a movable lick. Um, so if I want to jump up and do that at three, four, five, six... I can use the same ring middle index but now I just have to drop the pinky in to take care of that 3. So I like the movable aspect and the consistency of that and plus that fingering pinky ring middle index the higher up I go the easier that is. It's just a real drag down around, you know, O to 3. But just to be geeky again, I want to I want to assimilate, you know, that new Thing for me, not necessarily replace, but and I think I'm more likely to use that open, but I wouldn't be using that so much at seven, eight, nine, and that kind of stuff. Eight, nine, ten. I mean, yeah. Anyway, give me some feedback on that.
2: Okay. Well, can you clarify something because I I think I might have lost you at one point Um, when you said it's a real drag around uh, one, two, three.
1: Well, it's a real drag. If if I'm the pinky, middle index, like you do, Uh I mostly enjoy when I'm playing down in uh, open position. Oh, one, two, three, you know, on the bass middle melody. Okay, Um, I love it down there. Makes Mm -hmm. so much sense for me. But again. I'm learning patterns that I can't just move to other places on the fingerboard diatonically, right? Um, and and also the main benefit for me of the pinky, middle index, is revealed where the fret spaces are so wide. But the mm-hmm. farther up the fingerboard I get, um, that pinky ring, middle index, the 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 sequential fingers seems to just be more effective the higher up I go.
2: Right. That makes sense. In the in the lower positions when you try and move these patterns, it it's going to require a shift. Right. If you're not using an open. So, that's the that's the one trade-off. Personally, I would I would rather get comfortable shifting than keeping my hand stretched out. I know, I think about that.
0: And that
1: my children But But I have big hands, too. (laughs) These guys. I have big hands, and you don't have little hands. No, I have totally normal-sized hands. (laughs) Not to get too political or anything. Um, I'll tell you this, that this this short-scale dulcimer has really... It's the first time I've embraced a short scale, and it is nice. And and some of the crazy stuff I was trying the other night, I think... Part of that came about because everything was a little easier. But then I could stretch past the normal stuff into the things that there's no way I would have done, you know, those things on a a long dulcimer. If I may be average, average listener for just a moment. The best
0: part of this, because if you were as lost as I
1: am. Uh, well, it's the dulc- it, you said it was going to be the geeky episode. No, it this, is. I'm, I'm not
0: complaining. Thing. I'm just saying I, I want to make a point that's for, good for average dulcimer players. If you could see like Steve when he's when Aaron's talking and Steve's trying to imagine what he's doing, uh, you guys are both like either closing your eyes or looking off and visualizing all this stuff. Right? It, it, it's like uh, it reminds me of that. What's the song in it? Uh, uh, it's not when a man loves a woman, but when you can see your unborn children. See your unborn children in her eyes. What's that song? It's like a, was that a seal song or a Van Morrison song? Floating around in there? (sighs) No, but it's when when you look at, that you can so visualize something that you see your whole future in it. That's the way you guys are looking at the fretboard in your heads right now. And that's why you
1: play the way you do, because... You have just
0: absorbed
1: this thing, and or think it's about a, or it's an aspect, or it's something that developed after. I think of Aaron like a he's a, like a, a candle in a window on a cold and lonely night really it's a, a, Ario Speedwagon come on yeah, well you that. said that you could see people's unborn children floating around have in their you eyeballs ever loved,
2: have, you, have you ever really
0: loved a woman have by Brian Adams that's
1: it that's the song oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah that's when that's Brian
1: Adams went wimpy
0: it's just Aww. this, but it's a powerful line in a song I mean it's obviously it's kind of mushy <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, no, I can just, I know what I'm doing with this thing. And it's, you guys, in the process of this, were probably both learning and making yourselves better at what you do that's that process of being able to visualize it and think mm-hmm. about what the problems would mm-hmm. be and then solve them without ever even touching a, wo- uh,
1: touching a <laughs> wall
0: <laughs> this is out of control without ever touching a fretboard <laughs> maybe
1: and i i, I agree am sorry with about you, that but i don't know how much of that developed afterwards you know i don't know if that's why i'm able to play it might be something i've <laughs> you know, learned through playing a lot. I don't know. Did you said there's unborn children floating around in the eyes? And yeah, that's where they keep them. <laughs> and something about touching a woman. This is <laughs> remember we got to be able to keep our um, G rating our friendly, like, Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing not G about a Bryan Adams song. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're okay. I think Bryan Adams went soft on us in the 90s in the 80s he had some cool hits hard driving and then it just all became these slow julio iglesias sounding love songs which i guess that's fine i just miss the brian brian adams that had some edge and drive
0: give me an example of a good edgy brian
1: adams song well, I can't remember the titles of them, but I'm going to have to look them up. Sing a random awkward line. Well, it's been so long, Dan. It's been so long. And it's like that one, um, you know, when you love a woman. I guess that's when you all were talking about it. That's it's what like, I'm talking about, yeah. That it's like cool. pull yourself together, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> Uh, seriously, and I he think says really, time, really, 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 really love. Does he say really three times? Is yeah, that something necessary?
0: Like that. Imagine, imagine you're you know late teens or early twenties, and you think you're falling in love with someone, and you look at her eyes and you see unborn children floating around. It's,
1: the imagery is not. I gotta be honest. I really liked Brian Adams in the '80s, and and now I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I'm even looking at the song titles. Run to you, of course. Summer of 69. One night love affair. I mean, that's good stuff. It's a I love I love that anyway. Yeah, so, that's okay. But hey, what were you saying is like Brian Adams?
0: Uh, the fact that Aaron is so excited today, he can hardly stand still. Is that true? I am bouncing that, around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, that sounds oh, yeah. like
1: sarcasm.
0: No. <laughs> well, the, the hardly stand still part is because he doesn't move a whole lot. Well. But you got you have some really exciting news speaking of uh new children.
1: Oh my gosh, what?
0: Oh no. That was a horrible way to set that up. It was
1: huh? a great way. I'm proud of myself. What? We're not pregnant, <laughs> no. no. Oh my gosh, I just had a I had a I just had a I felt something drop in my gallbladder. <laughs> i mean i just got excited and now you're telling me you're not pregnant
0: no No, but he has some
1: he has some some new
0: going back to babies on the way
2: (laughs) yeah i'm picking up i've got two new uh dulcimers coming this week i'm so glad you didn't say puppies i was real (laughs) (laughs) well you knew it wasn't gonna be cats so that's true yeah um but yeah i've got two new babies on the way gosh that was so mean dan they're not twins they're they're very different. But, uh, yeah, one of them, Steve, I, I don't remember if we've talked about it on here or not, but the Clemmer uh, the guitar yeah, scale. Yeah, we did. Oh, I, yeah. not on the show, but we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited about that. That one's not going to have any extra frets, so I can shoot some beginner video for, uh, for Dulcimer School and have people not get confused like I was when I was in a workshop with Don Petty. I hope that's okay to say. I still learned a lot in that workshop.
1: No,
0: but it's really <laughs> but good to I... say. You 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 mentioned uh, last night that someone e- even told you, yeah, you that on the Dalsammer one and a scale, half but, fret yeah, was
2: the... distracting or confusing or something like that. So yeah, I've wanted I've wanted one for for a little while. I'm really excited about what Mike is building with this guitar scale. I think it's a it's a great bang for the buck and sounds great
1: yeah and Uh, you told me it sounds great and i was there recently and and tried it out and it's it's got it's it's got a unique sound to it and I, i i i i heard exactly what you were telling me
2: yeah and um and the other one is from a new builder uh named well new to dulcimer anyway he's been building guitars for a while uh tony vines And I'm picking that up the same weekend. And that's going to have a bunch of extra frets and a radius fretboard and a whole bunch of bells and whistles to it. What do you mean a
1: bunch of extra frets?
2: Uh, It's going to have the zero and a half, the one and a half, and then the uh, six and a half. No three and a half or four and a half. No three and a half or four and a half.
1: What is wrong with you? I don't know. You're getting a zero and a
2: half. Uh-huh. A one and a half. I'm literally, I know you're going to say I'm literally two
1: frets away from uh, chromatic. Uh-huh. No, I'm going to recommend you take a calculus class with a calculator that's missing the two button. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you've preserved the diatonic uh, nature <laughs> of the beast there. Well, the Tony Vines thing, I'm pumped about that. That's exciting, isn't yeah. it? because here's the thing this if anybody wants to look him up he's a very capable respected guitar builder and Mm. and i really believe he's doing this because he's he's passionate about it he's interested in it um i mean he's he makes the guitars right aren't aren't his guitars pretty amazing and sometimes expensive yeah they're well his
2: guitars start i mean maybe we shouldn't talk about price because that no, changes that's fine. Yeah. okay well, they right now uh on his website they start at eight thousand dollars right and and he's well to, respected right i mean people compared are to ordering some other guitars, guitars yeah compared to some other guitars i've played that are in the eighteen twenty dollar guitar realm
1: these hold up they're they're amazing so i guess the presumption i make is this guy doesn't need to make dulcimers he wants to make dulcimers yeah and that means whatever this this dulcimer that he's given you or or letting you borrow (laughs) or however it works um whatever it's like if he's passionate about this it could become all kinds of things in the future Mm. the instrument itself i mean it's just he And he might have some feedback on acoustics that maybe other builders would really appreciate mm-hmm. well, yeah. I want one too. I know that <laughs> yeah well is he is he building one for you, Steve? I think he said he was i'm cool. I told him I want him to work all the kinks out with you first. Then I was, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for you guys, and I think that's good
0: for. Even though other builders that might be listening, I'm sure you are all anxious to see this thing as well. So, the
1: this well, is Dan. My, your big exciting thing, you know, a year ago, I forget how was the whole carbon fiber.
0: Oh, yeah, it's been a couple, and that's 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 still there. And you're still using that thing. Oh yeah, we were Aaron and I were talking again last yeah. night about. Uh, I would like I really would like to have a second one and I know that's probably a two or three year process with Sam, assuming that Sam's even willing to build another one. But I know it's totally that's worth the, the wait. thing
1: that stinks about that thing is it's you really, really like it. <laughs> really do. <laughs> and 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 when you tell your students oh, I really like this thing, it's gonna make them maybe want one and 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 what do you do about it? Well, that's I had to cross that line. I just had to decide
0: that I'm not making a living selling instruments. That's right. And I made, you know, I made some money selling instruments. And and it's not that I don't need to make money, because <laughs> I do. Uh, we had to refill out our insurance papers yesterday. Oh. My goodness, that's frightening. Yeah. And seriously, well, if we get knocked out of the music business, it's going to be because of the cost of health insurance. Mm. Uh, that's just so, so disheartening. But anyway... Uh, This instrument is still, I can't say enough good things about it. It is so stable. It's just unbelievable. I wish it was bigger. Uh, I mean, it had a few more notes, but I knew that going in. I'd like to have the the range on, uh, like of this new one that uh, Russell Cook's got a new one coming out that's 18 pounds, uh, 17, 17. It's just got a bunch of notes on it. Uh, But it's wood, you know, and I'm sure it'll be as as stable as any good instrument that russell makes and like the big d670s are as stable as any good d670 they make but there's nothing that's as that's going to be i think could match this unless it's because of, carbon of the carbon fiber aspect yeah mm. but and even uh, nick blanton makes some carbon fiber ones that sam and nick designed together i'm not t- totally sure how that relationship works out but even those have a lot more wood in them than this one does sam this was like having an airplane made where somebody individually made each little piece you know specifically for it it's just not a production instrument
1: and that means a lot of molds and stuff or no no the no it doesn't it means uh i don't know how that works well like the the
0: piece of wood that goes on the front the front rail and the back rail on the dulcimer on the hammer dulcimer the one that's closest to you and the one that's farthest away from you normally those are you know relatively solid pieces of wood because they're structural and it's they're holding the two pin blocks apart from each other but on this that's even a, a little bit of carbon fiber that he just veneered over it with some beautiful wood
1: oh so wow. there's
0: all kinds of little things like that that you look at it and you go oh it's just it's just a wood instrument with a carbon fiber top so
1: is this when you have an instrument made of this stuff is it machined like or is it molded or how do they make pieces? Well, I've never been in Sam's shop, so but there's nothing on this that
0: appears to be molded and but I know that like uh David So they
1: get like a chunk, you think, of something, and then they turn it in like a they turn it into something with saws and
0: You know, carbon fiber is not all that different from fiberglass. Just think fiberglass. And anything that you could do with fiberglass you can do with carbon fiber. I don't know about fiberglass. It's it's fiber on sheets on cloth basically it's carbon on cloth if i understand it correctly and maybe i don't but and then there's different resins you can use for different purposes uh so you can mold them like the dave wood i think is the guy's name who uh sells harps that are all carbon fiber now uh he spent years working on on the mold. And, of course, it's all, all outsourced to China, but they basically just mold a carbon fiber harp and send it back over, and they, I think they do all the stringing and stuff here. See, I wow. wonder
1: if you took a Masterworks or Dusty Strings, if you could say, hey, we're going to use the exact same design, exact same layout, we're just going to swap out carbon fiber, you know the wood for the carbon fiber i i wonder what this i'd love to hear every builder actually yeah i think you're probably onto something but the problem
0: i remember when david was talking about these uh the cost of these molds to get them made i mean you're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars really yes
1: to get a mold made i wonder if things are better now you know because i wonder if things have gotten better the last four or five years or something Yeah, I don't
0: know. But you still have the potential that you get something that doesn't sound good.
1: Mm. Well, it'd be nice to know. Yeah. It'd be nice to hear two or three like yours, the same design. I mean, would they all sound identical, you know? Yeah, they're probably – I don't
2: know if there are enough uh, Hammer Dulcimer players in the world that would – Do, like, a
0: Kickstarter thing, like, to raise the funds for a mold. That's interesting. Based on... Well, if you're going with someone else's design, you know, it really would need to be the builder that was doing that, not somebody knocking somebody else's instrument off. Right. But, like, with guitar... I think that's
1: what he meant. Yeah. 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 With
0: with guitar, was Rain Song the first one that started messing with carbon fiber? That's the
1: first one I remember.
2: Uh, It... They may have been. I know uh, Rain Song and I ran into Rain Song and uh, CA or Composite Acoustics around the same time. Okay, I, I might be wrong. I think I think you're right. That Rain Song's been around a little bit longer.
0: See, I think those are built somewhat like a traditional guitar. I don't think they're molded. Oh, I thought I thought they were. Are they molded? I thought they were. Yeah, I
1: maybe uh, I, I might to be look wrong. Up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is if. I mean, you know, we have 3D printers now, and things are getting cheaper and cheaper. Cool.
2: Yeah have you Have you guys seen the video of the 3D printed uh, Stradivarius copy? No. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's scary. <laughs> Is it planted? printed from Oh what? yeah. Well, I mean, it has real strings on it, and uh, and a wooden bridge and the tailpiece, but the body and uh, fingerboard itself are 3D printed. And uh, hearing a professional violinist play it, it sounds like a million bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? There was part of me that really didn't want to like it. <laughs> what was it made out of? What was the body
0: made out
1: of? I have no idea, but it was 3D printed. Whatever that plasticky <laughs> yeah. stuff is. Well, the, ma- the amazing thing, for anybody who doesn't know, you take like a plastic powder and this machine builds a 3d thing according to you know whatever your computer tells it to do but there's also metal 3d printing and they there's also cellular 3d printing yeah and um i don't know i mean this thing where it's like i really want this carbon fiber instrument but it's gonna it's impossible to get another one right now or whatever. I wonder how much of that is going to change the next few years. And also, there's, it's funny so much goes on over in China. Like, I know a guy, if you want something made in China, he knows who to call. He knows the file formats that they're used to accepting. I mean, he's got all that figured out. I don't know yeah, nothing you, about it. you that. go to Shark Tank, and they'll they'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to sit Dan on there. He's going to play uh, – He's gonna play that dragonfly for him, and then he's yeah. gonna be a billionaire. Yeah, I think what we don't want to lose in all of this is,
0: uh, you know, there was still the Stradivarius. You know, there was the dude, yeah, <laughs> who built this amazing instrument, and in the process of all this, uh, I, maybe I guess they can break them apart and and learn how every little piece, every, every little nuance about it, and maybe recreate it exactly, but. If in the process of all of this modernization and moving to a 3D printed world, if you lose the craftsmen.
1: We've already lost them, a lot of them. A lot of them. I don't think there are as many as there used to be. Mm -hmm.
0: But that's why it's exciting to see Tony Vines saying, hey, I'm going to build. That's right. Yeah. A great dulcimer.
1: Not to discount any. Else, who happens to be also right now saying, Hey, I want to build a great dulcimer. You know, no, no, I didn't didn't say the greatest dulcimer, I said, Just no, I'm not. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Hey, if you're out there and you're not Tony Vines, we're all for you, too. We just happen to be particularly excited this morning about. uh, I'd be excited if you told me you were building something, Steve. What's that? I'd be excited if you said, Hey, on the weekends,
0: I've been. I've got these ideas and I've been learning how to build an instrument. I'd I mean, rather would... be dragged by a
1: horse. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron. Yeah. You got excited about building. And I think that was before yeah. you met your wife. Is that right? Yeah. Did that. Is that something you can talk about? Because you were excited about His building.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I've always been excited about dulcimer design and functionality um and uh and my good friend david Beatty, the the builder that made mine and and uh, i'm still playing prototype number one um but uh, but it was a it was something that we collaborated on together he just did all the hard work in actually building it (laughs) but uh but i loved it and i um wanted to as as even though he's he's a good friend and he he did a great job there was part of me that wanted uh and and he understood and totally supported this because i was having a whole bunch of ideas that always started with i don't know if this is a good idea or not like i don't know if this will actually work a part of me didn't want to trouble anyone else mm. just wanted to be able to do it like um uh
1: like just find out,
2: yeah. Um, and so that was that was the plan. I wanted on a selfish level to be able to experiment and also build um, based on some some ideas. Um, it didn't it didn't work out how I how I thought or or wanted it to. So how's but that? But I think it's also for the best. There's one as someone who makes uh, their living playing. Building can take its toll, especially when you get into the sanding. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that your fingers are very close to some moving <laughs> blades, um, there are times when, I mean, depending on the build style, you're either going to spend a lot of time doing some repetitive motion or you're going to spend a lot of time on a using some sort of mechanism that's vibrating and shaking your hand. And that in itself takes a pretty heavy toll. And I think, I think you're right. Doesn't...
1: Like my dad used to do a lot of metal work and before that uh woodwork and i i remember just looking at his hands and thinking those hands look a little beat up you know yeah (laughs) and i i wonder about uh, i've thought you know i was interested in building at one point but like you're saying, I didn't want to lose a finger. That's why, I like Jerry Rockwell and Doug Birch, talking yeah. about using you know no power tools or very few, but mm-hmm. but still, when I hold a um, a power sander, my whole hand goes numb. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> Temporarily, I don't. Know. I'm I'm with you on that. So you just got you just started thinking this is going to get in the way of my playing. I think. I think.
2: I tend to be a little hyper aware of the health of my hands, fingers, Mm -hmm. wrists, elbows, arms and shoulders because I'm dependent and I'm terrified of something happening. And so for me, I saw even though this is something I'm really interested in, I, I think if I was building full time, I might be able to go, Okay, I could dedicate all my time to this and be okay, knowing that. I'm not going to have to put as much emphasis on uh, um, playing in a concert <laughs> that night. Um, right. Uh, But yeah, I don't see how some builders do it that, that are great players. Well, there's and, definitely and some builders. good players. They are. Yeah. And, and um, I don't, I didn't see that I could be one of them.
1: So that doesn't, Dan seemed to be the kind of person, absolutely, that would be building right now, but yet he isn't. I mean, Dan, Dan every time you get interested, so you're like, let's make a magazine. Let's have a sound studio, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's make Maybe. our own hammers. <laughs> Some of that's starting to sound like foolishness to me. <laughs> let's make our own analog to digital converters. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Don't be silly. Yeah. I did try. So you did, you went through a building phase, I, right? Absolutely,
0: yeah. I was making large trapezoidal ashtrays, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the downfall was it was the time when fewer and fewer people were smoking. <laughs> 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 or I'd still be in business right now because I know there was a market for them. Now I had a, all these ideas cough. for different kinds of bracing and experimented with. You know how you are when you're in your twenties. <laughs> maybe you were in never, your
1: twenties. Yeah, late twenties. What?
0: And and deciding, uh, I want to do this a different way. I think maybe if they if they braced like, you know, with pipes or brace with this or that, even though the weight of the the pipe is heavier, it would end up making the overall instrument lighter and more stable. And so I tried some stuff and. After uh, getting stabbed by, you know, I I didn't have really the right amount of money to have the the right kind of tools. I worked with a friend in a cabinet shop for a while and then, you know, learned some things and then kind of brought it into my own barn. Yeah. And was trying to make small pieces using a radial arm saw, which is a good way to sever your torso. (laughs) It's really kind of boiled down to the
1: same thing. There's a point at which – I like my upper half yeah, too much I like to it. do this. I want them together. <laughs> yeah. And I think you've got to have like a patient long-term approach because uh, one thing I really liked about Lynn McSpadden is he, he didn't right. like to make more than one change at a time is what I believe he told me. Mm-hmm. So he would say, this year we're going to change this one thing, and we're going to do it that way all year. And at the end of the year, we're going to ask ourselves, how did that one change go? It's like he had a patient, passionate course that he was on. And
0: uh, that, I want to for tell me, a story. That's
1: playing music. You know, that's not building. Yeah, I want to tell a story.
0: I don't know that I've ever told this one before, but the very first instrument I ever had was a 12 4. Uh, so.
1: Most instruments what does that 12, mean,
0: a 12-4? Uh, hammered ulcimers, most of them... Well, I had a mountain dulcimer first, but most hammered ulcimers are 12-11, 15-16. Right. You know, it's how many places the string crosses the bridge in the center and on the base.
1: Okay, a 12, 12 being 4. the center
0: and then 11 being the base. But this one was 12 places where it crossed in the center and four where it crossed on the base. And I had no idea. Huh. It was one of those things that I had just... I heard Malcolm is. CD and 3 days later we went over to Gatlinburg uh, and Pigeon Forge actually and bought an instrument from Pigeon River Street Who was we? My wife and I. She was Angie. Angie, she was 8 months pregnant. We were in a little Honda Civic with no air conditioning and it was August. I'll never forget it. She was like, you are really obsessed about this. And hey, so. that
2: money we were going to spend to fix
1: the AC. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, don't bring that back up again.
1: <laughs> You've been playing Hammer Dulcimer that long. Long time. Yeah. I always think of you as somebody who did it recently. or well, something. Well, that's because of the way I play.
0: <laughs> but we. So I bought this instrument, not knowing. I mean, it was the only one I could afford in there. To be honest with you, I mean, there were better ones, but. The guy was like, somebody sold me this. And I honestly, I wish I could hear it today to get an idea of what it actually sounded like back then. But it was fine to me. It was a thing that I could hit. Sure. And I was foolish. I was in this. uh, I was refinishing some furniture and doing some other woodworking kinds of things at the time. And I was really into oak. (laughs) I liked the look of oak. I had just refinished this fantastic oak piano. Uh, tiger oak and it looked amazing mm. you and did i did yeah and i decided <laughs> that i wanted I, I discovered by then that it's twelve four was really not broad enough to play a lot of the things i wanted to play i was missing all these notes for most of the books and things i could find so my first foray into building i'm making air quotes now was to uh, get with a cabinet builder friend of mine, and we took the top off. And I decided I wanted to put an oak top on this because it would be cool looking. <laughs> Which that's very hard. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it's what a that was a not it was not a good idea. <laughs> it just destroyed the instrument. Basically, it, oh. it sounded really like I was playing an oak tree after that.
1: It had Did you about, put a
0: lot of work into that.
1: Put a I lot wish of work. I knew
0: the younger you. Yeah. But we learned, you know, I learned a lot of stuff and that's where I didn't learn enough. (laughs) So then we tried building a couple of instruments and at some point realized that, wow, this is the reason the good instruments are expensive is because there's a lot that goes into them. Right. A lot of very finely tuned machinery, very patient people being really careful and recognizing that if you. Are short on any of these steps, that you're going to put something together that's going to not work Mm -hmm. or just break. Yeah. So I was done. I realized that's not my uh, not my thing.
1: That reminds me of when first of all, I think you should have done what you did. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have explored that because who knows what you might have found. But that's right. You know, sometimes somebody says, "I don't. I want to make a record, and I don't want to have to go to a studio." So I'm going to get these – I'm going to get some um, audio monitors, you know, speakers. I'm going to get headphones. <laughs> I'm going to get a variety of microphones. <laughs> and I'm where you're gonna going to get, get this software and this interface. And, and I'm going to start to learn about this because I want to do this. But what – you know, and I, I have so much to learn. I mean, there's things Dan knows that I still am trying to figure out. About audio engineering, but I went to school. I have a bachelor's degree in audio engineering. You know, I started on a four track when I was in high school. I've been using software all these years. You know, I've, it's such a deep subject and I, I still study it. I'm still interested in it, but I still, because mostly I'm playing, you know, I'm not mostly recording people. Um, I still, I just feel sometimes overwhelmed by such a deep subject, and then somebody comes along, and they're like, "I think I just want to make my own records," and and I think, well, you know, maybe they will, maybe mm-hmm. maybe this is going to be work out just fine. Because honestly, I know enough that I think for me to produce a simple project, but it's just sometimes I I'm discouraged actually when somebody jumps into like they want to build or they want to do sound engineering because i'm i'm thinking if it works out that's awesome but um you can't you blow a lot of money (laughs) i mean aren't your first effort i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about so both of you know a lot more about uh
2: recording and engineering than i do how when it's leaf blower season, how do you manage that? <clears throat> that's
0: Aaron. That's an amateur mistake. First, you just buy a leaf blower filter
1: <laughs> and you turn it on. <laughs> if you leaf blow, if you offer to leaf blow all of your neighbors for free, then you can make that sound happen on your schedule. I don't think
0: most of the guys around here that use leaf blowers, if you offered to leaf blow their yard, they would punch you in the face. <laughs> because that's a
1: point of their manhood. No, can we talk about that for a minute? Um, Aaron and I were on the phone, uh, I don't know, a day or two ago, and we were talking about how it would be nice sometimes to have a quiet room. Yeah. and And, and let me say this specifically. Certain microphones set up a certain way. The closer they get to your instrument, it exaggerates bass response, right? Mm-hmm. And Dan, help me with this. If we were to put that microphone into omni, we you don't get a proximity effect with omni. You get less. But you might hear more of the room. Yeah, you'd hear everything. You'd
0: hear you you'd hear
1: little ticky
0: sounds of. Uh, just just the wind shaking, you know, the leaves outside. Yeah, so an omni might be a great way to get a truer
1: that. sound, but it requires that you have
0: a either a room. dead
1: quiet room or an awesome sounding room or something. Yeah.
0: You know, the thing about musicians sort of being known for staying up all night, that's because they had to find a quiet time to record. You're right. That's so,
1: interesting. And, well, and even I don't if, know. Come on now.
0: Sit now. seriously, if you go back to the 50s and 60s, people might not have been using these ultra power 9000 leaf blower you know with eight stroke hemi carburetor on your back like they do now that they have to wear ear protection ghostbusters out there honestly (laughs) if you're having to wear something on your back that requires you to wear the kind of ear protection that it does to be around a jet taking off you might have gone overboard just a little bit in your
1: purchase. That's all I have to say. No, I'm not going to suggest that they did the wrong thing. Well, I might am. Be the, instead I would of like building those, their passion, you know. Well, I just want to make this statement. On
0: a weekend in the fall, that used to be one of the most pleasant times that people like to be outside. Because oh, that's the, great. The heat had died down. People were raking their leaves. Children were oh, playing in right. piles of leaves. You go outside now you're in the right. fall for the most part and you hear whee yep. all around you you smell right. noxious fumes you're right uh and you can hear them from miles away yeah. and it just kind of destroys a pleasant saturday afternoon where you could sit on your porch
1: you know Stop it with people out there I want them this to This is unlike explosion. me to be like this but I want to say people please stop with the lawn care well, Yes I mean, <laughs> my father uh, like uh, less than a week before he died, how he said, I mean, my dad used to bag it. He would mow this big yard and he would dump the grass over the hill and he would have to take that bag on and off, on and off. He was a meticulous yard groomer. And the last year of his life, he looked at me with a, with an unusually kind of um, resigned face for such a strong man. And he just said to me, you know, I wish I hadn't spent so much of my life taking care of the yard. Oh wow! Wow! But I know some people love it, and they say it brings some peace. But it, and I get that because sometimes that kind of stuff can liberate you. And I understand about resale value on a home, and yeah. I, but I part mean, of me says I don't yeah. want to live in a stinking neighborhood where you got to be out there all the time working. Yeah. In I'm your feeling
2: yard. A, just a little bit worried knowing about. Uh, the listener right now who's I got their earbuds underneath their ear protection <laughs> and they're,
1: they're blowing leaves. No, yeah. i tried that. You have to have an external amplifier just to hear. <laughs> it's the reason I don't mow the yard because I can't listen to a podcast while I'm mowing. It's too loud. Well if you really feel like you've got a the electric
0: and the battery powered blowers mm-hmm. do a fine job if you really feel like you need to blow them. And they they're half the decibels as as the motor motorized thing. But it's not going to happen. But you were saying, though, Steve, that, you know, there's somebody who says it makes them feel at peace and all that. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that, though. Boy, this is I'm just going to go here.
1: I watched We the, might be wrong, this, people. We it's might be fumes. wrong.
0: But I watched the yeah. Truman Show the other day. And that show's not just about watching this one guy and how people it's where where Jim Carrey is in a bubble basically and that fake land and everything in his life is sort of dictated by advertising. And so I, I think to an extent we are there just a little bit and yeah. And like your dad said, he wishes he'd spent less time, you know, doing, doing that. My dad as he was dying. I mean, I'll never forget those words. He said I wish I had been kinder to my children. Wow. And, and I think those are the kinds of things I think that was amazing. Yeah, I think those are the kinds of things that you you want to figure out early in life. And I would say that constantly having these engines making noise and <laughs> blowing stuff around to where the air is hard to breathe constantly all the way around your children isn't necessarily being kind. I guess we've gone to I think people who, who blow their leaves knows. around
1: don't love their children, basically. I'm
0: not saying that. <laughs> but maybe if we looked at it from look thought, a bigger picture. But maybe musicians aren't
1: leaf blowers, do you think? What's that? This is can't be true, but I'm going to say it. Maybe the people using the loud leaf blowers aren't musicians. They're more like the football player
0: types. (laughs) 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 Some of my best
1: friends are football players. I don't have a problem with it. Not just football players. Football player types. Right. (laughs) You want to go ahead and describe that? I think I need to change the subject if I got any <laughs> sense at all, and no, I we can talk th- about
2: stereotypes some more. no, it's safe, it's
1: good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody gets offended, yeah, <laughs> Dan, seriously, for a minute. um, I've been learning, you know i've I've been listening, I put on a lot of audio instructional videos, like for mixing and and mastering and tracking and all that. It helps me remember the stuff I did in school, but it also, I've been learning a lot of new stuff, but one thing that I've really gotten clear on is why you can have a great pair of speakers when you're mixing, but if your room stinks and if the placement of your speakers in that room stinks, it's... You're gonna do your best, and when somebody else listens to it, they're gonna say this sounds screwed up. Yeah, and I've been walking around. I've been doing this at different people's houses. Like they'll have uh, these bars under the TV. I guess it's the new way that you have sound. It's been new for fifteen years. Right. But, um I'll know. I'll in one area of their living room, it sounds great. If I go to the other side of the couch, there's a painful low, mid quality, or a bass, I can move around a room and hear, especially the bass sounds different, just one foot away from where I'm at, so, and I think about the school I went to, they went to great lengths to make sure their listening environment was really good, so it's like, I've got a lot of equipment, I've got experience, but this room I'm in, so Tell me, and I mean this, I know there's little things you can do, but if we really, if Aaron really wanted a quiet thing in his, I don't know, in his house, is it better for him to just go to a pre-existing studio and just pay him for the space or should he try to build something?
0: Well, sure. We've talked about that. That comes with a whole other set of pressures. I don't know. Which I don't, Aaron I'd might like be the ideal know. player to face those pressures. Well, yeah, because uh, he's a little, yeah, he's he's a little ideal, <laughs> yeah.
2: But little things, probably not a good idea to do too much uh, um, structural development to the house I'm in right now. Because <laughs> you're since renting, I'm, yeah, I
1: guess. <laughs> yeah. That's true, Dan. What's the reality? And 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 even in Nashville, there's rooms where everybody's like, "That's a great room." Or there's another studio where they're like, "You know, that might be a good place." Well, you know, when I was mix, over, in, but you don't want to track there. Yeah,
0: when I was over on Druid Drive, I put some money into those rooms, especially the tracking yeah. room was a good room and got some engineering help and had the as right. long
1: as your wife wasn't walking in the dining room above, it was yeah. Still- I thought it was still pretty
0: quiet. It was a it pretty. Worked. It was a pretty quiet room. They could. Yeah. You actually could have a leaf blower outside and still record on the inside. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, definitely. Because I my yeah. son could mow and I could still be working. I downstairs. I slept in that room
2: uh, <laughs> one night and it <laughs> and was. I did too. It, it was scary, and then the cricket got you in there, there the and it's night. it's so quiet that when a cricket gets in there, it's like. It, it, yeah. It's like it's hopped on a microphone and blaring
0: through some amps right in, r- right at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is bad, but we're fortunately, or well, un- it's fortunate and unfortunate. People are listening on little bitty cheap headphones for the most part now. Most music is consumed not in pristine listening environments. And like you said, it'll be in a living room where if you put $100,000 into your recording project and they're <laughs> listening on that soundbar, on the bottom of their television, I, I
1: don't see how you can win. Well, it's, you can win kind of, and sometimes you can win, but a lot of people like to stick their television in the corner of the room or something, and that well, and and that's where it sounds terrible. Yeah. To
2: to your point, Dan, I've heard um, I, I've heard engineers with some different opinions on that. One that I worked with. And I don't want to say, well, they're not going to listen, <laughs> um, but uh, it scared me to hear them say that, um, that their, their philosophy when it comes to mixing is to mix for the best possible uh, sound system. It scared me knowing that most people are not going to be consuming the music that way. And I've worked with right, others like that... good engineers yeah, check different... Yeah, that double check, thing. how does this sound on an yeah. iPhone, earbuds, you know, a, a big PA system or coming through the bows. And a lot of that in has to do with
0: lows and mids. Right. What you do mm-hmm. in those
1: frequencies. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I'm afraid you're going to abandon this subject, but well, I I'm, recom- af- I'm afraid we should have started this earlier because I think
0: I would... I love this subject and... Maybe next time, we pick up on on this.
1: I want to be clear, and maybe you're different. I listen to a number of podcasts that are three, two, and three hours long, and I never listen for three hours. And so I enjoy over a period of three or five days, knowing, oh, I get in the car, it's like, oh, good, I'm still on this one. This guy, he's interviewing this guy, so I don't know. Oh no, I hmm. I, I, I kind of I
0: like that. I agree with that. I agree with you on that. But My, we don't have time. As yeah, time, a point it's just today. a time
1: constraint today for me. Well, d- well, let me just say this with Aaron, t- and I think this is something we could do in Nashville. You've got so many abandoned studios or, or ones that aren't being used <laughs> much. Um, I think it it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to go rent one of these rooms for three or five days, and I don't need an engineer and I don't need their equipment. And I just take my stuff, and I live in there for a week. Well, I can, mean, I don't, I don't really want to engineer my own recording necessarily, but. Yeah. That, that is a problem, because yeah. one set of ears just gets, you know, you start to have but
0: holes. there's so many bad engineers out there. There's so many bad ones. Especially with dulcimers, I think. Oh, mm. yes. But, but, Steve, I'm looking at, sorry the audience can't see this, but looking <laughs> at the view we have of you through Skype right now, that closet behind you treated properly because it's a small space if it had nothing in it and that became a treated space that you could mostly be in and you had your mics you know mounted so they weren't taking up space on the floor they were coming from the ceiling or whatever i think you can create a small space to allow you to get a fantastic recording with good microphones you just have to be able to work really late at night whenever when there's no sounds and your neighborhood probably doesn't have a lot of through traffic at night you know so you don't have big trucks
1: driving right it's not bad i yeah. mean there is uh there is some kind of uh factory there you know there's factories around me but you don't see them and you don't hear them in the day but at night that's the one thing that ruins me watching stars at night Is i hear like 30 of these uh Forklifts going into reverse all over you
2: know. <laughs> yeah. It's like on the CD of uh I think my first two instructional books, I'm pretty sure you can hear the nightclub in the background and a couple arguing in the
1: parking lot if you turn it up really loud. And and of yeah. course you know, we're getting older, and I think and I'm not trying to pick on Dan, I'm just saying you're getting you're older than me. Right. You know, the, every, the three of us were about
0: 13 years apart.
1: I really? Think. Each one of us? Really? Yeah.
0: You're 30, right? I'm 31. And uh, Steve, you're 30. 43. 43.
1: And I'm about to turn 56. 56, oh. dude. I know. Well, the thing that I keep thinking of is, and I'm glad for this, there's certain things in my life I'm deciding I'm going to let go of that. You know? Um, Things that I've wanted to do or get deeper into, and maybe having a quiet place in my house is something I might let go of. It's like, look, just do one extra gig a year and use that money to rent out a room for a week. That or sounds two. like wisdom. I'm, but this thing where you get older and you, it's not that I'm giving up on things, it's like some of these things don't mean as much to me anymore. Just, you guys are really bumming me out.
0: No, don't do that. Uh-huh.
1: Just let it... Uh,
0: it's okay to have hobbies. You know, if if you consider yourself to be
1: a hobbyist... If you're enjoying it. ...engineer, there's no reason to give that up. It's you know, a cool subject. Kind of like heart
0: surgery. <laughs> no, the, <clears throat> there's no reason, though. If, if you enjoy it, you have to be careful about how much money you sink into it and... If it takes you away or if it's a distraction from something you really need to get done. But some not there's a there's this tendency for us to think that we need to let things go (laughs) when maybe sometimes we just need to let them be.
1: You know, what do you mean? Like it doesn't have to be some kind of big deal. That's right. Just.
0: Yeah. Just like I, you know, I really do enjoy the process of recording and mixing Uh, It might be more efficient to have someone else do it. I recognize that I'm not working for optimum efficiency. Some of it is just enjoying
1: life, so I'm just going to let that one be and not let that other part bug me. I think that with that advice, I'm going to let go of the topic. Excellent. We should have probably done what I'm about to do
0: off of the show, but... It's Christmas break. We've got just all kinds of obligations and stuff, and Aaron's traveling. I think we should take a hiatus, which is a small uh, Korean car, (laughs) and drive it
1: until we reach January and resume. Mm -hmm. Are you serious? I think so. Are you guys going to fire me in January? What? (laughs) Are you getting paid? Yeah, yeah. Who's getting (laughs) what? Yeah. I don't know. So you're saying we won't meet again unless somebody oh, decides this is
0: just something we need to talk about i think it's reasonable <laughs> a lot of podcasts do it in De- in
1: december okay but but you work often on holidays i have yeah. yes because you you're sometimes trying to make, make a deadline and you're a you're a heck of a worker but <laughs> Dude, December is so lonely for me. I oh well, no then games. let's do a podcast. I can okay. do. A podcast no, I don't with you. think we need to. It's just so lonely. I, you, maybe if we don't do the podcast, I'll make some new friends. Maybe <laughs> that's a good idea. I can come to Nashville if you want.
2: Well,
1: well let's oh, just, let's I just... already am coming to Nashville, but not till January. Oh, Aaron. Yes, we're gonna teach. I'm teaching with Aaron O'Rourke in Nashville, Tennessee, in the end of January. If you go to my website com and click on three-day registrations we're teaching a three-day class especially for intermediate and advanced students and we're gonna do some teaching together we're gonna swap out but uh no matter how many people come this year i think we need to do it yeah and because we just recently announced this and i want to do it next year you know, i mean i want to do it in 2017 2018 i'd like to do it every year as long as we keep getting along okay that's and honestly i like you to the point where i'm willing to fake getting along with you i like you Um, too steve well there you go i can't fake it though i'll just sit over at this lunch table by myself (laughs) (laughs) but dude that's a (laughs) good pizza you should come why aren't we hanging out more but anyway Hey, I have no another podcast idea. until just January. That's so st- hard on people. <laughs> I don't I'm think s- so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like we ought to do, if we are wrapping up for, for a couple of weeks just is remind we to talk people just... that
2: I'm not really pregnant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid,
2: we'll see. I'm afraid we'll see. the leaf blower may have cut out some important part of that one earlier. <laughs> we're, so
0: we're going on a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're, I think the next time we're all together, though, that we're all three of us are together is Kentucky Music Weekend. Yes. Yeah. The Winter Weekend.
1: Oh, that's a big
0: deal. It is a big deal. And you know what? Nancy Johnson Barker, she's a big deal. I think so, mm-hmm. too. I concur. Uh, it's interesting where <laughs> Nancy, if you're listening, I think she might listen too. Uh We Love You a lot. And when you feel like you have to get on to us because we haven't turned something in or haven't let you know Amen. if we want the meal or not we're always we're always glad and i well, I, I, am. I think nancy is uh seriously one of the reasons the Dulcimer, Dulcimer community here in the southeast is as strong as it is I well,
1: agree. she's been pretty solid in a lot of ways for a long time and yeah i'm i'm running you're going to love this i'm I'm organized. I have organized my family reunion through various <laughs> methods that I've used in the dulcimer world. And um, it's actually, everybody's really sweet. There's nothing strange that happens. But when you organize something, you take the, boy, you take it on the nose sometimes. Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and I, I, just going through this thing with the, it's been sweet family you've been great honestly (laughs) but it's helped me realize and appreciate a little bit what somebody like nancy is going through and i think it's real easy when you're young and you're a hot rod it's real easy to be critical of the people running the events and um i think as you get older you uh, you, it it helps you appreciate a little bit more what's going on there right
0: Hmm. Well, let's wrap it up. We will see you guys again in January, unless we see
1: you before then. That's so sad. Oh, can we just real quick go around and say what each one is thankful for? for... We should have done that last month. Okay, let's do that in January. <laughs> That's yeah.
0: January. We should talk about what we're hopeful for, for the new year. Yeah. If you guys don't fire me, I don't understand <laughs> this. Have you ever been fired
2: from a volunteer job and it's just haunting you?
1: <laughs> I don't like to think of the dulcimer work I do as a volunteer, <laughs> but you know. Steve, it's my so, goal to help you get through this pre-firing stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't
2: phrase it like that because that implies that there's going to be a post-firing.
1: <laughs> yeah. This podcast will terminate in T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, count with me, 5, 4, 3, (laughs) 2, 1. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. Have a good one.